Welcome to Audit Bites, the show where we give you bite-sized chunks of information and education to help you excel in your audit career. Join our host, Robert Berry, as we tackle another tough auditing topic this week. Ah, my friends, we had no sound going for a minute there. We have fixed the issue. I do apologize for that. So let me just pick up where I left off. Welcome to Audit Bites, my friends, and thank you for telling me about the sound issue. Today's topic is, it is time for auditors to be brave. Audit Bites is the first live show about, well, audit. We're on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. So here's what I want to ask you guys. Do you have sound now? Type into the chat and let me know if you have sound. Again, I do apologize for that slight sound issue. But Pozo and Hal, I see you guys here. Babs, I see you here. Lori, I see you here. Do you guys have sound now? Yes. Thank you very much, people. I Again, I apologize. So let's keep going. Today's topic, auditors must be brave. As auditors, my friends, we see all sides of the organization, from the wonderful wins to the salacious scandals we typically see it all. And yet our job is simple yet complex. Our job is simply to report to management what we see. All too often, many of us are failing at that, though. You see, we live in this world where many of us oftentimes trade truth for security. We see things are going awry in our organization and we turn a blind eye because we want to keep a secure job. But my friends, no job is secure. We see corporate crap and injustices, but we say and do nothing. The fear of being fired or ridiculed or ostracized weighs, outweighs the primary responsibility that we have, and that is to tell management the truth. All right. Lori is saying, yes, you can hear. Pozo saying, yes, and hell with the nice emojis. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. I don't know if you guys remember episode five, where we talked about Western Washington University when they fired two different audit directors under two different CEOs. One they offered a settlement to and he accepted. The other refused the settlement and is now suing. But these individuals weren't trouble until, well, they made trouble. You see, they had some contentious audits. And after they had those contentious audits, they became trouble for the organization. Now, it doesn't stop there. This is not an isolated incident. I don't know if you guys remember episode two, where the title was Five Reasons Clients Ignore Auditor's Advice. 
If you recall in that episode, the head auditor for the British Virgin Islands said that their advice is often ignored. She spent five hours before a commission of inquiry answering questions about her past reports, and she described how her agency's work is often obstructed and the findings are ignored. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to what she said as how, listen to what she said based on how a local newspaper reported it or news station reported it. Correa told the COI that the work of the Internal Audit Department could be likened to, quote, a rabbit running around in a trap. Audit cycles are completed, recommendations are given, and then follow-up audits find that none of the recommendations have been implemented. We find ourselves at a roadblock, Correa said. Correa told the C. Now you guys heard it with your own ears. Here's an audit department that was obstructed from actually doing its job. She described it as if you're just running around in circles and she had to appear before a commission on ethics for five hours. Now go back and watch that episode. If you notice on that episode, I actually questioned why was the auditor appearing before a commission of inquiry for five hours instead of management who was not implementing the recommendations. Now, Hal says, as I've said before, the best CAE is the one who doesn't need the job but wants to do it. I agree 100%, Hal, because what we're going to talk about next is... Why that the work of the uh -oh. internal audit... What we're going to talk about next is, if you recall, episode 24 of the Friday Fraudster. Now, let me stop here for one moment. If you guys don't know what that is, that is a Friday podcast that I do with Kelly Paxton, our pink collar crime expert, and Joe Irvin, our ethics guru, where every Friday we break down... We break down fraud cases. We talk about why they happen, how they happen, and what maybe, if anything, auditors could have done to prevent and or detect it. So on episode 24, the title of that episode was The Unemployed Employee and the Healthy Audits. What happened there was a large California healthcare provider agreed to pay a $90 million settlement. That settlement, well, resulted in cooperation from a whistleblower. That whistleblower happened to be an audit and compliance professional. She became fed up with what she saw and she helped the government. Today on Audit Bites, what we're talking about is internal auditors need to be brave. So today I want to talk about a specific story that's made the news lately. John Peter Smith Hospital agreed to pay $3.3 million to settle a case alleging it violated the False Claims Act by upcoding claims given to federal health care programs such as Medicare, TRICARE, and even the VA, the Veterans Administration. We talk a lot about health care fraud on the Friday Froster because it's running rampant. But why is it running rampant? Listen, the National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association. Let me just stop there. The fact that we have a National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association should let you know that it's a huge problem. We have an entire association dedicated to it, right? The National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association says that healthcare fraud costs the nation, now this is in the U.S., 68, 68 
billion dollars each year. So that makes you wonder, why isn't much being done about it? Well, that only represents about 3% of the nation's healthcare spending. So that that's immaterial, right, folks? No, sorry, that was a bad joke. Hal's probably going to have something to say about that in a few minutes. But yeah, the national healthcare fraud, the national <laughs> healthcare fraud, the National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association says that we spend 68 billion with a B dollars per year. Now, this particular suit stems from a complaint filed by one of JPS's former uh, directors of compliance, Irma Lee, who said that the hospital upcoded hundreds of claims to increase payments. In other words, they charged more than they should have for specific healthcare claims. JPS maintains that the errors were unintentional. JPS claims that the errors were unintentional. All right, so let's talk about this person who cooperated with the government for just one minute. Lee began her career with JPS in 1996 as an executive assistant and worked her way through the organization to become the compliance director. As the compliance director, it was her job to identify potential healthcare fraud. That was her job as compliance director. Now in 2015, now mind you, she started working there in 1996. In 2015, she led an audit that found that 88% of a specific type of Medicare claims were fraudulent and 100% of Texas Medicaid claims were erroneous. 88% of claims and 100% of Medicare. 88% of Medicaid, 100% of Medicare. Now, Hal is saying that's more than $200 for every single person in the entire United States. The amount of fraud that has occurred, the $68 billion with a B in fraud that has occurred. Yeah. Thanks, Hal, for doing that math. So in 2015, she found that 88 percent of one specific type of federal Medicare claims were fraudulent and 100 percent of Texas Medicaid claims were erroneous. So what do you guys think she did when she found this fraud? Did she turn a blind eye? Did she report it and walk away? She took her findings to executive leadership and she said that they ignored the information and did not refund the money. So here's what happens. Whenever there's an overpayment, you have the ability to actually refund the money. If you find it, the federal government will allow you to refund the money. No harm, no foul. So she found these items in 2015. She took them to the federal. She took them to the organization and said, this is fraudulent. The organization did not issue a refund. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think happened next after she took the claims to the executives at the organization and they refused to do a refund? What do you think happened to this individual next? See, there are a lot of things that could have happened. They could have explored it further and then maybe just maybe the evidence would have spoken for itself and then you do a refund. Or maybe she was wrong because there's a chance that she could have been wrong in what she was seeing. Well, here's what they did. In 2017, JPS fired Lee. 
So now, auditors, if you don't know, when it comes to the False Claims Act and Federal Whistleblower Acts, there are certain things that you can do. <laughs> Hal said she did her best Bruce Banner and turned into the Hulk. You know what? You might be close to right when I tell you what happened next. What she did was a Herculean act. You see, guys, federal whistleblower, the Federal Whistleblower Act, it allows individuals to sue on behalf of the federal government and get a piece of the pie if it turns out that, well, something was wrong or if a settlement is made. So here's what happened. Lee will now receive $912,635 as her share of the $3.3 million settlement. Now, the settlement also states that, well, neither the administration, the settlement agreement is neither an admission of liability by JPS nor a concession by the United States that its claims are not well-founded. So JPS is not admitting guilt. The U.S. is not saying that we didn't pursue this further because we had weak evidence. A settlement has been made of $3.3 million. And this former compliance director that was fired in 2017 is taking home $912,635. Now, if that's not a reason for an auditor to be to be brave, I don't know what is. But today's topic, auditors should be brave. Now, what I'm going to do in a minute is give you five to six points on what you need to do in order to prepare to be brave. Because if you think about it, all of us at some point in time in our career, we have seen some things that did not look right. All of us have worked for organizations where we try to wave the red flag and say, hey, look, something's wrong. And all of us have had that experience where either A, the organization did something and you were like, oh, this is a great organization or the organization has done nothing. This is your time to be brave. But before we talk about that bravery, let me tell you guys about the Ask Better Questions Boot Camp. Listen, there's some research out there that tells us that over 85 percent of our success is due to skills that are not technical skills, regardless of what industry you're in. Eighty five percent of our success is due to our soft skills. And this is longstanding research that's been around for a while. So my question is, if that is the case, then why don't we teach soft skills in school? So as an auditor, one of the major skills that we need to know is how to ask people questions. So what am I doing? I have the Ask Better Questions Boot Camp. It is nine weeks, 18 hours of CPE. So you're probably wondering, how is this different from anything else you've ever experienced? Well, first of all, you're going to be talking to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. How is it different from anything you've ever seen? Listen, this is nine hours of on-demand training and nine hours of live group coaching. Our next cohort starts October the 18th. If you want to know more, go to my website, thatauditguy.com slash bootcamp. Again, thatauditguy.com slash bootcamp. All right, so let's go back to the audience for just one moment. Pozo says, doing the right thing pays off literally and 
Figuratively. Yes, that's a good one, Pozo. Hal says when not complying and settling claims while not admitting or denying guilt as a cost of doing business is acceptable, get out. Right. Because, I mean, obviously, the, the, the settlement is probably not as much as they've taken in throughout the years. So otherwise, why in the world would you settle? OK, so now the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is my best selling book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. It is doing pretty well on the Amazon charts. If you want to know more about it, it covers the art of asking questions. Go to Ask Get perform.com again ask get perform.com so you guys are with me robert berry here on audit bites this episode is internal auditors must be brave we just talked about a few different cases where auditors were fired because they had contentious audits and management did not like the results so they got rid of the auditors we also talked about a case where well one auditor cooperated with the federal government, and now she's taking home almost a million dollars, her portion of a $3.3 million settlement. So the question becomes, what should you do if you are an auditor and you need to be brave? Well, let's talk about that for one moment. The first thing you need to do is know your own personal values. What is it that you value as a person? A lot of people don't even know what they value because they've never sat down and thought about it. I can tell you truth and honesty are two of my personal values. Now, oftentimes it gets me in trouble because sometimes I want to chase the truth. And when people are responding emotionally to things, they don't really care about the truth. So that can get you into trouble. But if you know what your values are, then you know who you are as an individual. So that's the first thing you want to do. If you've not written them down, thought about them, communicated them to yourself and to others, go sit down, write out whatever your values are. Try to pick at least three. Most people have at least three things that they value in life. So first, auditors, if you want to be brave, know your values. The second thing I want you to do is determine the prevailing values at the organization that you work for. Now, there are two things to consider here. First, what are the written values that they have somewhere on their website? Take a look at those because once you read those, you should see those values being displayed across the organization. Not always, but you should. So now, once you do that, the second thing I want you to do is take a look at what values are lived in the organization. So take a look at the values that are written most organizations will have them on their website. This will tell you what they believe in, right? If you don't believe in, let's pick a topic. Let's pick a controversial one. If you don't believe in medical marijuana and your organization sells medical marijuana, then you're probably working for the wrong organization, right? So look at the values that are written on their website and then look at the values that you actually see people living in the organization, because this will tell you if there's a disconnect, first of all, between what the organization has written and what they do. Then it'll also tell you if there's a disconnect or if there's some sort of uh, 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 um, tie in to your own personal values as an auditor. You don't want to be trapped in an organization whose values are different from yours. All right. Because at some point that paycheck 
is not going to override the fact that you might be overstepping your moral and ethical values. So now the third thing that you need to do is assess the situation. You see, oftentimes as auditors, we get placed in sticky situations, but that situation may just be an isolated incident. You may be dealing with one corporate idiot who is out of line with the values that your organization has as a whole. If that is the case, you might be okay. But if you're dealing with a situation that really reflects the overall image of your organization, and it's a situation that you are not comfortable with, you need to be aware of that. But it all starts with first, knowing your individual values, two, knowing the prevailing values in the organization, and three, assessing the specific situation that you're in right now at this particular point in time. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense so far. But let's take it a step further. The next thing you need to do if you want to be brave as an auditor is you need to build your fit fund. You have got to stay fit. So let's talk about that for just one moment. Hal says, and I agree with this 100%. Hal says that auditing begins and ends with always assessing the culture continuously. Absolutely, my friend. You and I, we've talked about this and I agree with this wholeheartedly. The culture that you started with in an organization may not be the same culture that exists today. It may not be the same culture that exists tomorrow. It may be a stronger culture or it may be a weaker culture. Then again, it may stay the same, but you need to continuously assess the culture in the organization where you are employed. So now let's talk about this other point here. Point number four, build your fit fund. Kelly Paxton is going to really appreciate this because she calls it an FU fund. I call it a fit fund because I wanted to think up something that was a little more friendly and fit. If you put a dash in between the F and the I have your effort fund. If it gets so bad in the organization where you need to leave because your morals and ethics are being compromised, get fit. My friends get fit. Have a fit fund. If you don't have one, start it today. It'll never be enough when you need it, but at least you will have something. Okay, so today, Audit Bites, what we're talking about is auditors must be brave. I am Robert Berry, your host of this show. We've gone through our first four points. You must know your values as a person. You must determine the prevailing values in the organization. You have to assess the situation. And as Hal said, auditing begins and ends with always assessing culture continuously. And the fourth thing you need to do is build your fit fund. If you missed what I said a fit fund was, then go back and rewind the episode. I'm not going to repeat that. Fifth thing that you need to do is hold true to your personal values, which goes back to step number one defining what your personal values are. Everyone should have a moral compass and it is pointed in some direction. Hopefully it's pointed in the right direction. Do not allow anyone else to move your moral compass. We talked earlier about the chief auditor for the British Virgin Islands. She spent five hours before a commission on ethics and you heard the clip I played. She was extremely honest in what she said. Extremely honest. We also told you a case about a university that fired two audit directors under two different CEOs. One, they offered a settlement. He took it. The other, they offered a settlement. She refused it and sued. 
auditors, know what your values are and hold true to your true values. All right, Pozo says the fit fund is so important, can make you even braver. Exactly. And that is why I suggested getting the fit fund. Thank you, my friend, for that valuable comment. All right. So the last thing, auditors must be brave. Get out and get help. You see, the problem is oftentimes we think that we are alone as internal auditors. As a matter of fact, oftentimes your own fellow auditors will ostracize you when things go awry in an organization. Now, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. There is an IIA chapter out there that has people that will support you. There are LinkedIn groups where people reside that may support you. As a matter of fact, I have a group where we will support you. If you go to awesomeauditors.club, drop your email address because what we're building is a community of support for auditors where we go beyond the one-way webinars. We have discussions, not one-way things. See, we go beyond even LinkedIn lives where you can only type into the comments. So we're, we're building an active community to support the younger generation of auditors, the older generation of auditors, anyone who has something to say that can add value to our profession. Again, that is awesomeauditors.club. Drop in your email address and you might receive a special gift from me. Awesomeauditors.club. So look, guys, I am Robert Berry. The show Audit Bites. We're available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts, go find me. Go leave this podcast a five-star review. I think it's worth it, don't you? Today's topic, it's time for auditors to be brave. We covered five points that auditors need to know when it's time to be brave. Now, Hal Guerin is here again, and he says, but be careful. If you disclose private company information, you could find yourself getting sued. That is absolutely correct, Hal. What we were talking about now is with the federal government. So if you if you really need help, go back to those five points that I made a few minutes ago. If you feel like you really and truly need help as an audit professional, because things have gone awry. Know your values, determine the prevailing values in the organization, assess the situation, build your fit fund, hold true to your values, and please get out. You don't have to stay in a situation that is dangerous and detrimental to your mental and sometimes physical health. Now, Hal says, if you're going to speak to anyone outside the organization, consult an attorney. And that was going to be my last point. How we're thinking alike today. I don't know if that's good or bad for me or you. That's probably good for me because, you know, anytime I think like how that means I'm on the right track. So if you find yourself in a dire situation where you need help, you need to consult an attorney. It is of the utmost importance that you do because an attorney will help guide you in the right direction. So I am Robert Berry. This is Audit Bites, episode number seven. It is time 
for auditors to be brave. You guys, today is a short show. I want to thank you for joining me. And what I want you to do is send this to all of your friends who need to find some inspiration to be brave, who need to find those brave moments, because what we do is a tough job and we have to stick together. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Audit Bites. If you want to do more, see more, be more, check out our website at auditguy.com where you will find quality training. Audit merch. Yes, we have hats, shirts, and other apparel, as well as past copies of this podcast and the Friday Froster podcast. www.thatauditguy.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.